Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind Podcast. I'm Conor Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. Today we're going to listen to the female founders panel from the Swedish Pavilion at the World Exhibition in Dubai from a couple of weeks ago. We will meet three forward-thinking startup founders and hear them talk about how to innovate traditional industries, running a company based on Swedish values and the need for more female entrepreneurs. The panel consists of Claudia Rademacher, VP and co-founder of Duga Assessment, Annie Backman, co-founder of Care to Translate, and Karin Ebbinghaus, CEO of Elon Road. This conversation is part of Changemakers, a series of podcasts, panel talks, and live interviews produced in collaboration with the Swedish participation at Expo 2020 Dubai. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinavianmind.com slash newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Claudia Rademacher, Annie Backman and Karin Ebbinghaus. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to uh, this afternoon's event. My name is Konrad Olsson. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. We are a magazine and platform covering the intersection of lifestyle and technology. And we are also official media partner to the Swedish Pavilion here at Expo 2020 Dubai. And now I am proud to present to you today's event. We are going to hear from three founders of forward-thinking startups and hear them talk about how to innovate traditional industries, running a company based on Swedish values and the need for more female entrepreneurs. I welcome Claudio Rademacher, VP and co-founder of Duga Assessment. We have Annie Backman, co-founder and COO of Care to Translate and Karin Ebbinghaus, CEO of Elon Road. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so nice to have you here. You are all here because you are looking to move into the MENA region. That's part of what you're doing in Dubai. And um, you're part of a program called Access MENA, run by Startup Sweden and the Swedish Agency for Economic and Regional Growth. Um, we have so much to cover here. I think I'm going to start with you, Claudia. Uh, you are the co-founder of Dugga Assessment. I think the first question needs to be, what is Dugga? What is Dugga? Well, um, Dugga is actually slang, Swedish slang in the um, higher ed. So, universities in Sweden, it's a right. Swedish slang for, and it means small test. So, a very simple small test. Um, and Dugga takes, um, you know, as the company, we take Dugga to another level. All so, right. what we do is, uh, Dugga is an, um, uh, an examination platform for all types and levels of education. Uh, where teachers can save, save time up to 95%. Um, it is very easy to use um, and it is fair. So in terms of that, it is anonymous testing, right? So, um, and with inbuilt accessibility tools. So for students with special needs um, and it can be integrated to any school's learning platform. So yeah, it is research-based, but then the demand grew very uh, big 
And now we have grown from two to 120 countries um, in the world uh, within the last 12 months. So it's essentially yeah. a tool to help teachers uh, assess the students' work? Yeah, yeah. so all types uh, of assessment. So we always say that, well, yeah, we are here. Duga is here to help teachers become heroes, right? For, to develop future generations. Wonderful. So, yeah. I'm going to do a little round here so people get to know you a little bit better. Annie, give us an intro to Care to Translate and, and what you guys do. Um, well, we have developed an uh, application um, for smartphones uh, that can also be used on the web. It's a communication tool for healthcare. So um, uh, it has translations so that every patient and healthcare uh, provider can communicate in all situations. Uh, despite language barriers. Mm. So uh, every time a patient comes in to, to seek healthcare, um, they can communicate even though they don't speak the language of their healthcare provider. Wonderful. And how long have you been around? And, and uh, is, is Sweden your most important market or are you working globally as well? So far, uh, uh, Sweden has been our most important market when it comes to B2B sales and... and uh, right approaching hospitals and healthcare givers of different types. But, uh, I mean, we have an app that is present in almost 200 countries and uh, have 400,000 users all over the world. So we're also very international. <laughs> the need is global. Exciting stuff. Okay, so from education to healthcare to mobility. Yes. Yes, calling Elon Road. Tell us what you do. Yes, so I would like for you to, to picture a future that is fossil free and you can drive with infinite range and you would never have to stop to charge or refuel ever again. That's what we want to accomplish by having electrical roads so you can charge your um, EV while you are driving as well as you're standing still. So essentially charging while in on, how, how does it work? In, yes. the, in yes. the asphalt? Yes, so we put uh, um, a rail on the ground and uh, there's a connection between the vehicle and uh, the rail. Mm -hmm. And that means you can charge efficiently, both standing still, right. safely, as well driving speeds 160 kilometers an hour. And if you have access to this kind of charging, uh, you can have and you can reduce battery sizes. So instead of carrying on board all the energy you need mm. to transport yourself, uh, you can stream charging, you could say. Just like we stream music today, we can stream charging. So we don't have to carry on board everything. Exciting stuff. So I understand you have a pilot case in the south of Sweden. Yes. We're a Swedish startup based in Lund, and it's also there where we have our first trial pilot, which is financed by the Swedish Transport Administration. So we have built one kilometer of electrical road to power a bus line. And do you see yourself uh, expanding in the Nordic region or do you see other countries being more uh, adapt to this type of technology? I mean, of course, uh, the EV penetration is quite high in the Nordic countries, and, but I would say that uh, everyone is doing this transition and where you look upon EVs, charging will be a bottleneck. Right. So that is really what's restricting. And I would say that electrical roads could be for electrification that broadband and fiber has been for digitalization. I mean, it's enabler. So a big idea, yes. huge, huge ambition yes. for, for sure. So um, 
I'm, I'm curious about your sort of Swedish heritage. I mean, obviously here in Dubai, uh, we, we also know there's a big uh, tech fair going on, the DTEX. I'm sure you're meeting a lot of uh, entrepreneurs from all around the world. How important is it uh, for you to have your Swedish heritage? Is it part of your brand or your, your company? Yes, for us, absolutely. Um, Sweden has a huge trademark and being famous for producing tech entrepreneurs and have high uh, credibility. So, of course, that's really important. Yes, innovation. Uh, yeah. yeah, and also credibility is really important yeah. uh, for us. Going big, deeper into this, Claudia, is this something you've built into your, your brand? Is this something that it's, it's part of who you are when you go out and launch yourselves? Uh, Sweden, you mean? Yes. Yes. Well, already it's in the name, yeah. right? It's uh, slang. But also um, coming from Sweden, uh, right from the beginning, we made a very deliberate choice uh, yeah. as part of our strategy to start or to make Sweden as a reference market. Uh, Sweden is known for innovation, as Karin already mentioned, the credibility, but also in, in, in terms of ad tech or, or education. Mm. It's known for high quality education, but also is also leading in the digital infrastructure in education, for example. And so it was for us as a startup, it was a very good market to start, but also to learn from. Right. Um, and uh, there's also something that is really in line with our uh, organization's policies, and that is transparency. So when we were building everything from building the um, prototype to our new product development that is continuously ongoing, we take in all the um, end users or all the stakeholders' input. So and that transparency exists uh, in Sweden, and we are familiar with that. So we always say this is not our product; it is your product. So so and we take that uh, into consideration. So feedback from the end users. So that means in our case, teachers, students, I. Managers, admins, etc. So the transparency is really important, and so now we've learned enough, <laughs> and we're uh, we're now ready to um, to go global. But um, even though we are in more than 120 countries, we have to carefully select the markets that we want to enter. So and that's why we're here today, and uh, we're really thankful for the program here. Um, Annie, do, do you recognize yourself in this sort of transparency mindset when you are building your company? Um, it's, it's really important for us also, and especially like internally. Uh, we try to work really transparent in all, like with all my colleagues. Everyone should know more or less what everyone is doing at all times um, to keep a very flat hierarchy, which we think is key. And Karin, from your perspective of building the actual company, I know you're in early stages yeah. now. Yeah. Was it 15 people yes, right now? Yes, 15, yeah. How do you think about growing as a company in terms of values and culture? But of course, I mean, you have the opportunity to set the culture now, yeah. and it will be hard to change afterwards. So it's something that we are very well aware of. And for us, it's important to be very inclusive, both for our product, but also as a team. And really, we, we can't afford that people are not performing their, their best to come with the brightest ideas. So having this um, culture of saying, yes, and. I mean, if someone comes with an idea, yes, and we can try this. Uh, and bringing that into all levels, because sometimes, we, I mean, we expect that from our customers. So we need to work with that mindset ourselves. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Um, let's move into this topic of uh, female entrepreneurship. There is a lot of debate around this, uh, especially in Sweden, uh, that you know that we see the majority of capital that's being raised, both in Sweden and internationally, that still goes to predominantly male entrepreneurs. Uh, is this something that uh, you reflect upon? Karin, I can start with you again. Um, yes, sometimes. I mean, if you look too much upon it, you will just be so depressed that you wouldn't do anything but yeah. I think it's an opportunity also to change that yeah. uh, but have it to be aware of it I mean if you can't beat them join them so working with uh, people to raise awareness about unconscious bias and then making something positive mm. out of it mm. wonderful uh, and Annie I know you actually know that one of your investors is uh, Sophia Benz. It's a person we had on the cover of our first magazine and we know this is a subject that's really close to heart to Sophia. So I'm curious, is this something you discuss with uh, internally or, or with your investors? Uh, we don't discuss it much, but I guess um, having her on board, of course, gives us opportunity to have a bigger network of uh, female investors, for mm. example, uh, which is definitely positive um, because we want to keep our team as well as our investor team uh, as diverse as possible and diversity means including both genders otherwise we will miss out sure sure and, and Claudia uh, is this something you reflect upon when when started the company or sometimes if you're an entrepreneur maybe you don't have this mindset because you want to do the thing that you're there to do right so I'm, I'm curious if, if it's part of the, the conversation if you go back to the uh, the passion behind um, creating this platform for, you know, we started with two. We, it's just me and the other co-founder, which is also a teacher and researcher. And uh, he is a male and I'm not. <laughs> so we were 50-50. Right. There we got it already, the balance in the company, right? So, no, no, no. We, we Early on, we knew that we didn't just want to create a platform just for the sake of using modern technology, but it should not only just avoid unnecessary stress with both teachers and students, but also to provide equal opportunities, right, for students. So not only the gender, it is uh, the, the special needs, uh, skin color, last name, and so on. Uh, so that is in line, of course, back to your question sure. about if that is something to think about. The hard truth is, unfortunately, yes, we are faced with it uh, every day, even though you want to forget about it or park it. And um, it is there. And I think the only way to um, develop that into the right direction is to make people aware of it. Um, not being depressive, because it's a fact. I mean, there are so many other uh, female uh, that have been fighting for where we are today. Right. So I think that being female entrepreneurs gives us an opportunity to change that, creating um, forums, but also your own organization where you can uh, be an example. Uh, and so when hiring people, it is not just based on gender, right? It is also based on the view of for example, when you're interviewing a person, okay, what makes, what it make, what is, where is your passion, right? What makes you wake up every day? But also, people are coming from many, many other com companies or organizations with another mindset. Um, and so it is hard to implement, even mm. though you want mm. to have an, um, how do you say that, a more equal 
um, you have to remind people all the time, you don't need to prove yourself mm -hmm. or there is no need for letting other people down in order to raise yourself or so on. But you're saying, I'm going to yeah. stay on you for a moment, you're saying actually that your service is actually about, I don't know if you call it a service, but your okay, innovation is it's actually yourself. about sort of uh, minimizing uh, biases and, yeah. and helping uh, students or, or perhaps even children with, yeah. with uh, lesser Special opportunities needs. to have better assessments, essentially. Yes, that's true. You know, that has to play into, uh, as you say, company culture and the people that you actually hire because you need a more yeah. diverse set of people to yes. sort of implement this, am yeah. I right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, we have like uh, 34. We're a team of 34 now, we're growing. And uh, we just did a very quick check and it is we have people from over 10 countries. Mm. Um, and that brings so many different perspectives, cultural backgrounds, but also um, this question that you just posed, right? And you'll be so surprised that in, in, in countries, Certain countries where you don't, where you think that that is not a problem, it is a problem, and vice versa. So right. there's a lot we can learn right. from different perspectives, including the female issue. <laughs> yeah, which is one of many, of course. Yeah. Uh, Annie, when we talked prior to this, you uh, you said that I think you are uh, predominantly female in your company. Yes. And, and, uh, which kind of surprised me because you, as a tech company, that's not usually what you see. Uh, how do you think about recruitment and, and uh, how you're growing the, the company? Well, I guess we're not the typical tech country, <laughs> tech company yeah. then. Um, but we focus a lot on diversity and, and finding individuals with the competencies and, mm. and uh, skills that we want. And also, since we are a very visionary company or um, yeah, a company with a big vision it is hard to recruit people that are not aligned with our mission of uh, breaking down language barriers all over the world right. and we have when you have when you find people with that mindset it is all uh, usually aligned also with the, the same values that goes for equality right. in in all all kinds of equality. One thing I find fascinating, I mean, obviously you three, uh, you work in completely different fields, but uh, none of you are actually programmers or sort of in engineers or tech people in, in, in sort of the beginning. Annie, you are a, a doctor, for instance. Yeah. How do you think this has changed the way you run the company in any way compared to other startups? Um, I think, uh, like when you're a doctor, you need you always want more information at hand before you take your decision about what to do next with a patient, but you can't really always get more information. And I think that's something that is similar being an entrepreneur, especially in an early startup, that you have to make decisions based upon what information you have at hand now. You can't always go searching for more because then it will take you forever and you will never get out there. Um, so that's something I think uh, comes from that background. 
That's interesting. That's interesting. And, and Karin, you were a lawyer actually in the yes. beginning, and you worked as a lawyer. Yes, uh, almost 20 years. Yeah, mm. and now you're the CEO of this uh, mobility startup. Yes, and I, actually, I was reflecting when you said that. I mean, lawyers and doctors, you have to make decisions quite quickly on the facts you have at your hand at that given point, and that's something you need to do as a startup entrepreneur as well. Also, the customer will not be happy or willing to pay for like 100%, sometimes 80% is good enough. So getting to 80% and then getting the product out is important. And although I can feel that engineers, I guess some lawyers and doctors are the same, they want perfection. And they don't want anything to get out of their hands before they like 100%. And then you need person to go like, no, it's done that, we have to do it and um, be happy with that. So you have you have to ship it. Yeah. Uh, Claudia, any reflection on this based on your your background? Yeah, it has only served us um, positive because we are basically my co-founder and I. We are the end user, or we have been the end user. Um, we love to talk to our end users, um, teachers. So when we are on exhibitions, we talk to our end users, customers, um, and uh, we call them our colleagues. And this is how we gain. Um, ideas for new product development. We take in, um, you know, feedback constantly. So, so yeah, that has served us a lot. Also, being a researcher um, has also helped us in uh, funding, research funding, right, for uh, to build a prototype and so on. And so we actually we still have parallel or continuous research projects uh, going on. Uh, leading to product development, and that is um, pretty cool when you combine modern technology and pedagogical uh, knowledge together. Uh, so then you get carefully selected tools that are in demand. You know, so so yeah, I mean, we understand the struggles that teachers are having every day, also students, but also don't forget the IT managers, the, the administrators. So somehow your innovation has to fit in an organization and serve, uh, you know, a group of stakeholders, so not just one. And, and that has served us. So that understanding uh, has served us a lot. Yeah. Corinne, did you have some Yes, input? I'm just reflecting that we're not tech people normally, but no. we come from the user perspective. Yes. And I think that could be an advantage, actually, even driving a tech company rather than... Yes. You know, starting from the core of the technology, what can we do rather than we have this problem, we want to drive infinite, you want to translate right. and you want to have these exams and then you develop the technology. Right, right. Yeah. And I'm curious, I'm a bit of a mobility nerd myself and we cover the mobility sector quite a lot. What position do you think Sweden has as a mobility nation and how does that play into your... I mean, we can. I think we can be in the forefront. If if you look at what is happening now with the mobility, which is in such an exciting phase to be in, yeah. um, we have the automotives, we have the battery, we have uh, renewables and charging infrastructure. So yeah. you have to see it's a systematic shift that we're going through, and Sweden could really take a huge position in driving that change, both from a energy storage uh, distribution perspective in mobility. 
exciting stuff. And, you, and it is the, when you go out into the world meeting international stakeholders, uh, I guess potential clients and so forth, uh, do people view Sweden this way? Or is it, and is it is, what's the, what's the uh, perception of Sweden? Yes, I mean, w- when, when I grew up, which is a long time ago, I mean, then you probably would be a bit of a shame to say that you're from Sweden. It was not cool. But that has completely changed now. So saying... I'm from Sweden, and you go, ah, cool. So uh, we have a really strong brand internationally, especially when you come to innovation and technology, and I think we could capitalize on that even even more. So Sweden is cool. I'm sure uh, our friends here at the Pavilion are happy to hear, <laughs> hear that message. Um, let's talk about this region, and you hear, uh, uh, perhaps Claudia, you can give an input. What does this region mean for you, and what's, what potential do you see here in the MENA region? The MENA region yeah. is very attractive for us. We are very interested because it's a fast-growing, uh, developing region uh, on all fronts, uh, especially within the um, uh, transformation uh, into digitalization. Um, and, of course, education is high on the list. Uh, when it comes to that, um, the um, the infrastructure for you know to start with the you know the basics are here, um, and so for us that is really uh, attractive. So, but also on a higher level, um, on a political level, to increase quality in learning and to uh, accelerate the transformation into digitalization um, is also high on the list. And uh, Dega, our platform, can be a crucial part in that process. So, yeah, for us, it's... um, And actually, when you think about it, it's not just the MENA region, but what we have learned is that providing students equal opportunities, no matter where you are in the world, and what kind of schools, it can be private, public, it is number one uh, on any school's list to be able to do that. And when teachers don't have the right tools, it creates another stress. Because if you think about it, one out of five students in a class have some form of special need. So when you're a teacher, you have, you're dealing with so many different needs in the classroom. So when you can cut down you know, a lot of time or save time, you can be there for all the needs that are present. You see, I'm really passionate about I, 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 the, the, the passion shines through in, in, in all of you, and I, I love it. That's, that's why we're here. Uh, we're going to wrap up soon. I'm just curious, Annie, uh, what are you most excited about right now in terms of your company and the next steps that you are, are taking? I mean, uh, care to translate really solves a problem that is global, and we want to, we want to take it to that level uh, of uh, going everywhere. Kind of. Uh, this region is, of course, a place where a lot of nationalities meet, uh, but everywhere in the world we have people traveling and migrating more than ever. And when you come as a patient in a country where you don't speak that language, you're really vulnerable, and we want to really help those people. Karin, I'm going to give you the last word. Any key values that people should bring with them uh, today or from Elon Road, your perspective? But I think that during the years, technology has been part of the problem of causing our climate crisis, but it can also be a part of the solution. So we need to, to, to change, and we can use technology to, to make that change happen even better and more sustainable. Wonderful. I feel like we could go on talk forever about these <laughs> topics. It's 
thank you so much for sharing you. your insights. Uh, but we also have to think about uh, us melting away here in the heat <laughs> as well. Uh, Claudia Rademacher, Annie Backman, and Karin Ebbinghaus, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being thank here. You. Thank you. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.